Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Glad you found the Zoom link. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for resending it. Uh, no problem. I, I thought just searching for Zoom link <laughs> stupidly <laughs> would not, you know, throw 30,000 hits back at me. And it's like, uh, crap. <laughs> I get entirely too much email on a I week. see you got your, your coffee. And the it, odd one Matthew, you're, you're lawful good, by the way, by the how you hold your coffee mug. This is lawful good. This is chaotic neutral. This oh, is chaotic I evil. I don't, <laughs> I don't have a handle to be my true neutral self. <laughs> Stephen, just like uh. And Matthew, have you taken an actual like D and D alignment test before? No, no, I haven't. Well, I always like to think I'm good, but I'm not good. I'm I'm neutral. I'm <laughs> apparently in it for myself. True neutral. It has this great description of like, this is the best alignment to be because it means that you stand by your convictions and you're not swayed by other people. And it's like dot, dot, dot. Or it means that you're lazy and you're just kind of like lackadaisically <laughs> going through life. And I was like, uh oh, I think some of those answers, it's the latter part. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Although I'm quite sure that we will, we have a good chance of finding no more validity for that kind of testing than we do for the Myers-Briggs type indicators. <laughs> oh, 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 let's. <laughs> oh man, Myers-Briggs. I need you to, oh, we need Kim on here. Because... I've taken it so many times. I've gotten the same one, INTJ or something. And it just, I think it compared me to the Gandalf, but also Putin, Putin. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> Why are those bad? Well, you know, the the underlying scales are actually quite good. And people are reasonably stable in terms of the uh, thinking-feeling uh, score or the uh, introverted-extroverted score. Hmm. But as soon as you start creating these dichotomies, the underlying distributions are not bimodal. And so the vast majority of people are close to the median on most of these characteristics. And so the median split uh, creates a false dichotomy and they're just not stable. And uh, if you're on the extreme end of all four of the dimensions, then you'll have a stable code. And so if someone like Vin takes it and repeatedly gets the, you know, the same you know, of 16 categories, then that's cool. Then it works. But the basic distributions are, are mm -hmm. uh, bell-shaped, symmetric, and, you know, most of the cases are piled up right on that split point where you get assigned to one category or the other. And yeah. so I get a different code every time I take it. Oh, every single time. And, and without intending to. I so, get the, the same one. But it feels it is very confirmation biasy because you read it. Yeah. Well, I guess some people read it and go, "This is this is stupid and false." But you know, I read it. And I'm like, "Oh, that is me. I like <laughs> all those things." <laughs> Isn't the argument that some people that should be really close to you should take the test for you? Because if you take it yourself, there's just so much bias involved. I don't mm -hmm. know. If well, you know, that's a, that's a self-report bias, and. Uh, you know, we, we know that there are very systematic components to that. Um, yeah. And particularly if you're taking it as part of a job application where you're deliberately and supposed to be putting your best foot forward. 
Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to hire someone who doesn't know they're supposed to try and impress me <laughs> in the job interview. There's, there, there's a certain uh, emotional intelligence behind that. I don't want someone who's an aberrant self-promoter, you know, who will come in and say, you know, blatantly untrue things that couldn't possibly be true about themselves. But, you know. That would be a wild metric to hire on to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually surprised that some of the distribution that they are normal and symmetric. Oh, I'm conflating two things, thinking that normal and symmetric means there'd be like an equal amount of introverts and extroverts. That's that's not what that means. Uh, it depends on, you know, what you mean by introvert and extrovert. At the extremes of the scale, if it's symmetric, then that would suggest that you do have equal frequencies if you block it into mm. equal intervals, um, comparing you know the top ten percent to the bottom ten percent. Um, but that normal distribution implies something beyond symmetry and beyond simply being bell shaped, and starts to make very uh, you know clear probabilistic. Uh, prescriptions about how many cases should be seen in each of you know very narrow bands so mm. I don't know that the underlying dimensions are normally distributed but they're probably bell-shaped oh, okay there are a few people who are exceptionally introverted or exceptionally extra, uh, extroverted you know the extremes are not nearly as common as people who are somewhat introverted or somewhat extroverted there's, yeah, when you take the 16 personalities test too, it, I think it gives you a percentage of like, oh, like 3% of people are this. You're special. You're super special. Yeah. It's like, you're the rarest personality type. Okay. It's so like, um, I don't know why it's so appealing though. Maybe it's back to like horoscopes and things like that. Cause there's, the, there's so many versions of those things. I guess we started yeah. off with alignment where it's like, oh, I am this. Someone tell me what I am. Well, you know, pe people like to think about themselves. They like to have, you know, some attention paid to themselves. And, you know, then you get this inherent, you know, feedback that, you know, you focus on the parts that match. You, you know, don't focus on things that don't seem to match. Or you think of, oh, well, here's the way that I can reinterpret this. And so, you know, I think the analogy of horoscope is a, a really good one because, you know, we're projecting our expectations and, you know, in, in interpreting what this means in a particular context. And so people will stop and think, oh, yeah, there was a you know, sometimes when I was, uh, you know, very sensing and how I approached that task and then all of a sudden they're, you know, they're caught up in it, so. If it was less bimodal or binary, would you like the Myers-Briggs more if it wasn't, I mean, I know there's percentages and it's a continuum. Like is the binary part really the problem or is it's just like yeah, the whole it's, scales? It's basically the false dichotomy. And uh, for a lot of people, the, the dichotomization just isn't meaningful. And when you try and use those numbers in research, using the scales, we, you know, see that they correlate, you know, with things that they should correlate with. Um, the introversion extroversion scale, for instance, has, you know, high correlations with other measures of extroversion or other measures of introversion. 
And, you know, so I have no problem with the under, you know, inherent underlying dimensions. Um, there are potentially some more powerful ways to think about personality in terms of the big five, which has received, uh, you know, more validation. And we've seen, you know, a lot more research for that to play out. But, you know, you get to the, the part that's powerful that people find helpful in interpreting it is when they go with the false dichotomies and they get this four letter mm -hmm. code. And uh, so, you know, if it helps you make sense of the world, great. You know, horoscopes can help people make sense <laughs> of the world. And, uh, you know, plenty, religion helps people make sense of the world. Um, all sorts of things help people make sense of the world. And uh, if it allows you to do your job better, fine, but I, <laughs> You know, as far as research goes, there are much better measures of personality that have a much better proven track record. Do people even use that anymore in like personality research? Oh, gosh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really <laughs> fallen out of favor as far as uh, personality research, um, just because there's now so much baggage and one has to be so clear that, oh, I'm using the underlying scores, the dimension scores and not the, you know, categories. So, but it's, uh, it's a longstanding beef of mine yeah. and pet peeve when uh, we have uh, graduate students who take perfectly legitimate, you know, continuous measures and because ANOVA frameworks are more familiar in psychology to start chopping them up with median splits uh, mm -hmm. or um, quartile classifications. And, oh, now this is easier for me to think about. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, but you just threw away a lot of meaning in your data. <laughs> and flushed yeah. a little bit of your ability to account for variance in the outcome down the toilet. So yeah, let's let's maybe not do that. Well, that's a good dovetail into yeah. <laughs> what we've been thinking about, which is power. Wouldn't you wouldn't you just throw away you'd like half your power or you'd at least half your sample size if you chop it into like upper 50, lower 50, right? You know, it's we definitely lose power and uh, taking a you know false dichotomy, trichotomy. Um, uh, quadcotomy, those false classifications where there's not an inherently discrete set of distributions that match, we definitely lose power when we create an analytic framework that's not utilizing all of the information available in the original data. It's, it's hard to express that in terms of, oh, it's the same as cutting your sample size in half or it's the same as you know, throwing half your data away. It's hard to know. It depends on how strong the linear relation would be without the uh, false classification. And, and so it's, you know, numerically, it's not quite the same as saying you're throwing half your data away or half your sample size away, but you're throwing part of your, your sample away because you're, you're not using all of the information inherent in the data. So you're losing some of your predictive power, your effect sizes that you calculate will be weaker. And so all of your conclusions will be uh, weaker as a result. I see, yeah, I've seen some people do that, whether it's, you know, 
quintiles or upper lower 50 and then try to the upper 50 score higher on this thing and the lower 50 have this other thing couldn't um i feel like it would almost just be easier to just do regression just like it oh, yeah. <laughs> if they correlate right absolutely absolutely uh, <laughs> it's it's crazy that people have you know such a strong i'm comparing groups mentality that they can't understand the you know the continuous nature of that prediction as your predictor variable keeps going up one more unit your predicted score on the outcome variable goes up by you know x number of units and that it's a you know continuous you know making you know a three unit change is going to have three times the effect on your predicted score you know it it's, in my mind, not that hard an interpretive framework, and yet, uh, you know, it is not, it's not at all uncommon to see people finding the group comparison approach to be, you know, easier to talk about, easier to think about, and, uh, and it's a shame. Now, when we get up to looking at, you know, a, a three-way interaction, and all three variables are continuous, it gets very hard to talk about a two-way interaction changing as your third variable goes from very low values to very high values. I can see where, you know, the appeal of simple slopes comes into play and let me calculate my two-way interaction for one standard deviation below the mean on my third variable and one standard deviation above the mean on my third variable and compare those two separate two-way interactions to see how they're different. You know, okay, <laughs> you know, I, I give in on that one. That's fine. Uh, I also find it easier to think about it that way. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, hmm, interesting. I mean, I guess it's the same thing that we were saying with uh, personality testing is just easier for us to to bin these things, even if it's then I guess less accurate. Um, mm -hmm. It's just easier for us to categorize them. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's it's a whole lot easier to think in in dichotomous terms, and you know, we're starting with a very most basic dichotomy: us, them. Yeah. And, you know, that just that same kind of, oh, it makes it easier. You're one of us. So cool. I don't have to think about it anymore. You're one of them. Mm. <laughs> you know, don't piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> over there. Do your thing over there. Right. There's just 30. There are 30 us groups. Yeah. There's too many of them. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, yeah. That I... I don't have something quite as tangible in my field where I, I mean, maybe I do like in a lot of nutrition type work, it's like, how can we categorize these people as like fit or not fit or healthy, not healthy. And with a lot of omics techniques, uh, there's a, I just see a lot of papers. I'm like, Oh, a new index for categorizing people. It's like, why do we, I guess I do see the appeal of an index. It's just like, yeah, but now I know so much less about, those populations, because I just have a number. I guess it is easier to write about that way. Um, why can't we just keep it continuous and closer to the raw data? Well, you know, and and the the true meaning of the word index would imply, a, you know, a range of scores, uh, like the um, 
IQ tests are thought of indices or an index of problem solving ability. And so, you know, yeah, let's have a, a, a fit index that, you know, might reflect your, you know, ability to, you know, sustain, uh, you know, effort, athletic effort for, you know, 30 minutes without stopping or, you know, in terms of, you know, like the body mass index, speaking of in indexes, um, I was just looking at that in terms of the, uh, you know, um, COVID-19 vaccine criteria going into 1B+. Um, if your body mass index is above 30, then you qualify as an at-risk individual and can get a vaccine in 1B+. So they took a body mass index, which is, you know, not the best of indices. <laughs> uh, particularly if you're estimating it just using height and weight. Um, not everyone's had their DEXA scan to look at percent body fat. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So there are bodybuilders out there who are particularly short and particularly muscular who using height and weight formula could, okay, hi, I'm here. I'm, I'm you know, obese because my BMI is, you know, 38, 35, it's over 30. And so they're taking a continuous index and they're creating a cut score. You yeah. know, you're obese or you're not depending on your BMI being over 30. Uh, um, but, you know, there's probably so many fewer of those people. Is it worthwhile yeah. to care about those or those edge cases? That no. wouldn't be a good thing to say to those people. <laughs> you're edge your case. edge cases. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful case in England where someone's height, a guy is six feet, two inches, and someone meant to convert that to centimeters, but the put in was <laughs> 6.2 centimeters tall. And, he, you know, he weighs like, you know, 100 kilograms or something like that. And so he gets this body mass index that's off the charts. And they called him to schedule a COVID vaccine because of his outrageously high BMI. And they wanted to make sure he was one of the first people vaccinated. And he showed up and they're just like, whiskey tango shot. <laughs> That's so, so fortunately they had the ability to pull up his medical records he's like i think i'm more than 6.2 centimeters tall yeah. how to get to the front of the line the quickest <laughs> everyone's just like stooping on their height trying to get their bmi up the one time it's helpful exactly exactly the one time my fat ass saved my fat ass <laughs> be like thanks me Things past me. You're looking out for future you. <laughs> well, and you know, crap, as with this damn pandemic, it's just, you know, COVID-19, crap, we should call it COVID-40. <laughs> <laughs> just be honest here. Oh, man. 25 at least. <laughs> we just eat our feelings as we hide in our holes. <laughs> yeah, it makes me pine for the freshman 10. Jeez. <laughs> That was training. <laughs> training for COVID, yeah. 